All right, gentlemen. You ready to shut this down and kick Monday in the teeth? You guys go ahead and have a seat. My wife is on the platform for about the first five or ten minutes, and she's going she's gonna to help you. How many of you are married? Okay, so I give her full permission um, because she's a, a super honoring woman. She would never want to dishonor me. She says this all the time. I give her full permission to disclose whatever she feels like she needs to disclose to you um, to help you go back home and communicate to your wives who you are, what you've learned, and how you communicate that. And so I'm going to ask her the first question. I'll hand her the, the mic. But I've, I know I told y'all, I think in one of the sessions, like, <clears throat> this has not always been our world. Um, first, first foremost, when we got married, we were lost. And like lost on so many levels, y'all don't understand. Um, and so... <laughs> And uh, hellions and made a lot of unwise choices. And then, like I told you, IM4 was birthed out of frustration for me of how I didn't know how to do all that. So I just want Benet to kind of explain to you what that journey was like and kind of her role in helping me flesh this out before we ever went public with it. Well, first of all, I just want to honor you guys because there are so many that are not here and just the fact that you are here says a lot about you. So I honor you. I respect you just for wanting to be more, being hungry. You have been here almost 12 hours today. That's amazing. And so how many dads do we have in here? And then how many husbands? Well, your wife may be at home thinking some of the thoughts that I thought and prayed on many years. Like Ivy told you, we haven't always had this. We always wanted this and we dreamed of this, but we didn't know how to achieve it. So I was the wife that was at home praying, Lord, please speak to his heart. Some of your wives are are praying tonight, Lord, please speak to his heart. Because when you are one with your spouse and they're a helpmate fit perfectly for you is what the Bible tells us. They see things in you that you don't see in yourself. So I saw things in IV that he never saw in himself. I just didn't know how to articulate it. And a lot of your wives, they don't know how to articulate it. So it may come out nagging. It may come out as frustration. But that's just because they don't know how to articulate it. But on our journey, it was, it was challenging for many years. You have two people that are both strong leaders, and I knew nothing about submission. I didn't understand what that meant. I had been trained and taught by my mom, you don't submit to a man. And so that was the belief system that was within my mind. So God had to completely renew my mind and teach me what that meant. So for some of your wives, when you come home tonight and you go, guess what? I'm so excited. I'm prophet, priest, king, and warrior. And they're going to be like, what? Or finally? Or, oh, you think you are now? Depending on what type of wife that, and her personality. Some of your wives are going to be like, praise the Lord. But still, it's a new normal, and we don't really understand it. And maybe your wives are, are where we were at for a long time. Um, we had both made each other promises that we had not kept, so we didn't trust each other. So I just really want to encourage you on your new journey, for the new normal, the new you that God's called you to be, be patient with your wives. The, the most beautiful thing that my husband ever said to me is he came home and, and he was at a conference similar to this and I was at home and I was praying, Lord, please let him understand who he is. Please let him come home and want to pray over me. Please, we didn't even have language for prophet, priest, king, and warrior, but it was within me. Please let him come home and I feel safe and protected and all of these things you're learning about how to be a prophet, priest, king, and warrior. But the first thing he said when he came home is he said, sit down, we need to talk. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So if you say sit down, we need to talk, just say it with a smile and really calm, like sit down, we need to talk and smile. But he said the sweetest words. He said, I want to repent to you. He said, I didn't know how to love you, and I'm sorry for that. And what are you going to say to that? It's not like you can say, well, you should have known. <laughs> so that I'm giving you, that's number one, that's a really good way to start. But when you go home, just own that. And know you're not going to get it perfectly. We still don't get it perfectly. But the thing that we've learned being married, on, this is our 26th year, is, yeah, 
<laughs> is be quick to repent. God blesses humility. So as you go home, just say, I'm sorry. Say, I repent. And maybe some of you are in great places in your marriages. I mean, great places. Well, just go home and tell them it's going to be even so much better. But then follow through with it. And if you don't, again, just repent and say, I'm sorry. That's the journey that we've been on, fleshing this out as prophet, priest, king, and warrior, and understanding what it meant to be a helpmate, not a control mate, not a Holy Spirit. So if you've got a wife at home and she's a little bit controlling, she's probably scared. If she's trying to play Holy Spirit, she probably doesn't feel safe. So just by you explaining to her what prophet, priest, king, and warrior means. Ivy sat me down one day and said, honey, you know, I want you to trust me. I'm going to be the best prophet that I can be over our house. I, I'm, I'm going to speak to you on behalf of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak God's word over you. I'm going to read God's word. And I was like, you're going to read God's word. That's the greatest ever. And then he said, I, I'm, I'm going to be a great priest to our family. I'm, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying to God on behalf of our family. And the safety that that created within me, I used to be a very jealous person and it was like jealousy just disappeared. It had no room in the middle of something so beautiful. And King, he said, I want you to know you can trust me with our finances. You can trust me in different areas. I'm going to manage things well. And as warrior, you're going to feel safe around me. I'm not going to blow off the handle and go beat somebody up. But I'm not going to let somebody talk to you ugly either. You'll feel safe around me. And even the uh, loud woman that I used to be in all the wrong ways was quickly softened. There was something sweet that happened and continues to happen over time. So again, just I encourage you to keep go home and, and, and let them know what you've learned. But take it baby steps at a time. For some of you, it's, it's been years in the making of brought you to this place right here. So it's not going to change overnight. And that doesn't mean anything's wrong. So don't give up. Don't go, I knew it wouldn't work. I knew you wouldn't accept me. Don't go home and say, you know, you said you've been praying for me. You haven't been praying for me. No, you're, you're, you're our warriors. And warriors don't whine. They're strong. <laughs> I'll pause right there. <laughs> Um, so there's probably a ton of questions, but I know you're going to speak to the ladies tomorrow night. So why is it important that we as men continually pursue God, grow, push ourselves, extend ourselves, um, and elevate our thinking and our life? Um, why is that so important to you as a woman? Where's Josh? Come here, Josh. How many parents do we have in here? This is why it's important. We couldn't be who we are today if he had stopped growing. We wouldn't be growing at the speed that we're growing. So always know it's not just about you. There's other people behind you that are so hungry, but they don't necessarily have the tools that it takes to get to their next level. And it may not be a child. If you're not married in here, it may be somebody that works for you. It may be a friend that God's going to use you to help teach him his ways. But it, this, is, this is what I see. We have, we have Garrett, who's 24, and we have Josh, who's 21, and then we have Ella, who's about to be 16. And if he hadn't continued on the path, I don't know where we would be. I, I definitely know that how we started out, I don't even know if we would be married at this point. So always keep thinking ahead. It's not just about the moment. Keep thinking ahead. Think legacy. So now what we think about, if, if we go to get in an argument or, or to, you know, to fly off the handle about something that makes no sense at all, we think about his kids. And there's a lot of, um, we're, we're in a forest cutting down trees. We're first-generation believers in our family. So Ivy and I have had to cut down some trees in a forest, but it's worth it. So it may be something brand new to you, but I promise you it's worth it. Thank you so much. And, I, and if your wives, encourage your wives to be there tomorrow night, because I promise you I'm going to pour the word of, word of God into them.
What time do I got to be done? Well, we got to go to bed. We got church tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> let's just take a nap. Well, seriously, what? What timer? I see 2054. You keep saying time. Oh, that little tiny thing? Well, I can't even tell you what that says. That's a blur on the right side of that screen. So 2054, what time do I need to be done? Okay, 2130. He kept telling me there's a timer back there. I'm like, there is no timer back there. I'm 47. My eyeballs ain't working really well. <laughs> How many of y'all know, like, you wake up one day and your eyesight's just gone? Like, it was, everything was great. You wake up, you try to read your Bible, and you're like, what is in the world? Like, <clears throat> my hair, somebody said hair. My hair's not gone yet. So I am letting it grow while I have it. All over, all over my head. So like, <laughs> I'm trying to look as much like Jesus as I can. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, um, thank you so much for giving uh, the most precious gift that you have, and that's time. Time is something that you cannot recreate. Time is only something you can invest. And um, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for trusting the communicators from the floor, from the platform, um, trusting Pastor Josh, um, trusting this movement to whatever level you are comfortable in trusting it, um, trusting me tonight to, to be the final communicator um, from the platform, um, honoring my wife as she came and, and shared with you. Um, it means the world to me that I'm sitting in a room with 200 men who really want to be the best versions of themselves, but not from a selfish standpoint, but because you really want to change the world that you live in. Um, and, and we really believe inside of this. So this, we don't call this a men's ministry because I don't like that term. Um, we like to call it a men's movement. Um, so I know, I know it happens here um, at New Covenant, but if you, if you have an organization or a church and you want this to be a part of it, uh, please get with Pastor Josh. He'll, he'll help communicate to you how, that, how you can make that happen. Um, when I started this movement, I wanted to reach as many guys as I could, but I never dreamed that I would be at this place of my life where it's in, it's in seven locations all over the United States, and it's in two locations internationally. And so <clears throat> what I do like about it in some way is it's like a quiet storm. Like everybody doesn't know about it, but a lot of people know about it. And, and it's just kind of, when I say flying under the radar, it's not that it's not getting the attention that I, th I think is cool. What I think is it's like, it's catching the devil off guard in certain states and certain cities and certain families. And, and so I'm, it really fires me up. And so for like, I tend to come off super intense because I am. Um, and so my wife is like the, everybody says the better half, better half of you. Well, she's, she's the half that makes me whole. And uh, she's the, we don't use the word soft in our family because nobody should be soft, but you should know how to be warm. And see, so she's kind of like my warm coach. So she like sits in the back and watches me communicate. So, okay, that was intense. So can you, can you be warm tomorrow? And hey, when you close it out, be really sensitive and warm. So that's all of the sensitivity and warmness you're going to get for the rest of this conversation. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I really am joking. I'm going to do the best to uh, communicate some stuff to you tonight and be super, super practical and, um, you kept hearing about the quadrants today, the quadrant, the quadrant. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to release that to uh, Pastor Josh to teach to you because my fear in communicating I'm for at any point in time that we communicate it is that a guy will take principles that will work for a time but stack them on top of brokenness. And if you take good, solid, biblical principles and stack them on brokenness, they will work for a short time, but they will crush you because you don't have the foundation to hold. So I'm going to read some pretty um, famous stories out of the Bible tonight and, and try to just help. Like, I just want to help you. Like, that's all I want to do. Um, I was talking to a, a brother in here uh, today, and he said, you know, guys just need to be healed. Because we have, we have so much stuff that goes on in our life. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm 47, and, and I've been doing men's ministry, if you'll call it that, for a while. And, and I, I have a coaching network for guys. And it is shocking to me how many men in their 40s 
are suffering from something that happened to them when they were six. And, and we go through life and we try to do the best that we can. I mean, you know what's true? You really are trying to do the best you can. Well, let's just be honest. It ain't like I'm talking to a bunch of doggone heathens in here who's trying to sin and get away with it. I mean, y'all are really trying to, to so what, what is it inside of us that keeps us from, from like moving forward? And, and I mean, I'm just telling you, in my, in my life, it was because when I was very young, um, the only two times I went to church when I was very young to vacation Bible school, who remembers that? <laughs> like six of you. Um, I was sexually abused both times in the church. And so I swore I'd never go back to church and I didn't want anything to do with spirituality. Well, just like uh, Mark Passarella said today, events in your life erode your life over time. And I became a super, super violent person, which makes for a great soldier. Like, if you served, I, like, I, I applaud you. I love our military. I love our country. But, you know, we have a job to do. And so if you, if you go into the military broken, I promise you, you'll come out more broken. And then I transitioned from that, and I became a police officer. I worked undercover. I was on the SWAT team. I did all that stuff. And so there are, there are points in a man's life and certain careers and certain attitudes in the world system that if you're already broken and you enter some spaces, it just breaks you more. But here's what I'm going to tell you. That brokenness can work for you sometimes. But when you come into the kingdom, that brokenness will not work for you. What you'll do, especially if you get into leadership, what you'll do is you'll like, you'll like bleed on people and hurt people. And if you're broken and you get married, you'll, you'll wound your wife and you'll wound your children. And here's, here's the sad thing. It's not like you want to. It's not like you're doing that crap on purpose. It's that you've got deep-seated wounds that, that need to come to the surface, that need to be talked about and dealt with, but unfortunately, in my humble opinion, not, not being a part of a church ever until I was 25, the church doesn't foster an environment where men can just be honest. Like, I'm not, I, listen, I got it. New Covenant is a very beautiful house of God, and you are more authentic than most. But the truth is, even here, you can come in and feel like you got to pretend. And so, like, we're in here, it's a, it's a bunch of dudes. And, and when I get to the end of this, you know, I told you my goal uh, last night was that God would cut some stuff away. So did God do that over the weekend? Did God cut some stuff away that, that you were able to give up to be a little bit freer? Okay. Well, now what I want him to do is, now that that's been cut out of the way, I think there's, some, there's at least one thing in you that you've never told anybody Possibly. That maybe you would have the courage by the time this is over with to come tell a brother at this altar and then let God dump his spirit in you on a solid foundation. Because I promise you, I've done this. I've done this. If you go away and you apply these really cool principles and you shout to the rooftops, I'm prophet, priest, king, and warrior, and you stack that on brokenness, you will build a really, really tall house for about six months, but that crap will come crashing down. And it will destroy a lot of people. So I'm not playing Debbie Downer. I just want to be straight with you. My greatest desire is to, like, help you. Because I had men in my life that, that were willing to help me. And they helped me by telling me the truth. They helped me by holding me accountable. But they helped me by helping me understand the power of Jesus. And, and what he can do in a moment, if you're just willing. Do sometimes if you've been through sexual abuse, addiction, and all these things that like attack us in our childhood and sometimes our teenage years and maybe our young adult life, does it take months and months of counseling? Sometimes, but sometimes it takes a moment with Jesus. A moment. So I lived with sexual abuse and terrible decisions and all, all these things. And I don't know if Benet's in here or not, but she knew something was wrong. <clears throat> she didn't really like, um, she didn't like, inside, she really liked us making love all the time because she knew I used her as an outlet. Like I wasn't making love to her, I was releasing pressure. But because it was my past, and so 
I kind of drummed up the courage. I thought, man, I got to tell somebody because I never told anybody. And so the safest place for me to tell her was in the drive-thru at Burger King when we drove up to the drive-thru window. I mean, I mean well, she can't lose it, the drive-thru lady's talking to me. So, and I, and I built this story. If I tell her, then she's going to leave me. She's going to think I'm dirty. She thinks all, like, you have a story that the devil has orchestrated in your mind to get you to believe that if you're honest with somebody, they're going to reject you. And he's also flipped that to tell you if you're honest with God, God's going to reject you. So let me free you up. God already knows. Because he knows everything. He's just waiting on you to be honest with you so he can heal you in a moment. Let me say it this way. So he can wash you. And um, we've kind of taken the word I apologize out of our vocabulary in our marriage because the Bible doesn't say to apologize. The Bible says to repent. And that's a different concept. Because you can be, how many know you can be sorry? But not repent. So, so we've worked really hard over the, probably the last three years uh, for sure to really just like, okay, I, I don't want to hear you sorry. Because you can be sorry you got caught. You can be sorry that you acted that way. You can, be, you can actually be sorry you hurt somebody. You can be sorry for a lot of things. But repent means I have seen that my sin has hurt you and hurt God, and now I turn from it. And that's, a, that's an ongoing process in our journey with God. And so it's a, it's a, it's a and I got it. We are, we're saved one time, once and for all. You never lose it. But there is this sanctification process that happens all the time where you, you literally go, oh, man, I blew it. I need to repent. And so there's two guys in the room tonight that I'm going to be speaking to when I, when I communicate this message. There are those of you in here, you are legit saved. Go into heaven. You just, you, you just kind of jacked up inside and there's some things you need to repent for. Right? There's some dudes in, there's three guys, I apologize. There's some dudes in here who know you lost. Know it. If I asked you, if you died right now, where are you going? Inside, you'd be like, hell. But outside, you'd say, oh, heaven. But you know deep inside, you've never made that commitment. Then there's some guys in here. You've been going to church a long time. You are super religious. You imitate faith really well, but you're lost, and you don't know it. Jesus said, there's a bunch of y'all that call me Lord that will not see the kingdom. So I, owe, I feel like I owe it to you. Before we shut this thing down and I send you out to kick Monday in the teeth, it's for all of us to just have a heart check. To like, okay, how am I doing? Where am I? Because you, you got a bunch of information. And I don't want you to have a bunch of information. I really want you to have a transformation. And some of you have, I'm not, like, I'm not digging on you. Some of you have legit got some transformation. And listen, if, like, if you didn't have some kind of transformation after what Bishop Bill just unleashed from this platform, you might want to check your pulse, okay? Like, you got to, like, be alive, okay, after all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can not to preach at you, but to teach, inspire encourage and work with Holy Spirit to see what he would say to you individually. So if I could pray for all of you and us dial in, not be tired. Hey, I'm tired. But I'm not going to not give you all I got because I'm tired. And so what I'm going to ask you is don't you not listen all the way in because you're tired. Because God wants to do something in your life. So if, like, if you're in the back, I think Josh did this. If you're in the back, maybe you need to move up so you're like in a little bit more light, okay? So if you're on the outskirts and you're like, okay, I need this thing to be over so I'm going to eat some hot wings or eat some whatever. I got to get home and go to bed. Give me, like, give me like 35 minutes. Give me 35 minutes of your undivided attention listening to Holy Spirit to see what he legit wants to do in you. Is that a deal? All right. Father God, I'm humbled.
to stand in this room and to recognize that you are here and that your will is that no man would walk away the same. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place, sir, to do only what you can do. Let's heal, encourage, convict, draw, transform, and indwell men. And God, however you choose to do that, whatever that looks like, if it's a quiet place at the end, or it's a shout, or if somebody has an experience that they don't understand, however you choose to make yourself known and manifest yourself in such a real way that men know they were touched by the living God tonight, I ask you to do that. The only expectation I have, Father, is that you would do it. I have no expectation in how you would do it. I ask as your son that you would just do it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, if you'll turn your... um, John chapter 13. It's the story of uh, Jesus in the Last Supper washing the disciples' feet. Josh, will you hand me a tissue? You know, if you go from heat to cold, your nose will run. And it's cold up here, yo. Before I get started, Billy, who knows who Billy Graham is? All right. The reason this is, I'm so passionate about this is because Billy Graham said on national TV, I, I've actually seen the clip, that 75 to 85% of church members are lost. That because of the world that we live in, because of the, unfortunately, sometimes the way the gospel is preached, it comes across as this, oh, I'm just going to like say a prayer and everything's going to be okay. And so we go through the motions. Some of us have gotten wet. We were not baptized. We just got wet. But there was no circumcision of the heart. There was no transformation. There was no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We just learned some cool principles to stack on top of our life. And that's, I honestly think that's why most church members are like mad. Have you ever been to a church where people are sad? You ever been to one where they're hateful? Like you ever met a Christian, got the fish on the back of the car, they tell you you're number one in traffic, like all that stuff? Like I'm just going to tell you, um, Non-joyful Christian is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a non-joyful Christian. You don't have to be happy all the time, but doggone, smile every once in a while. Right? And I'll be honest with you, like, if you've got a spirit of living God in you and, and the band, and I don't care how good they are, how bad they are, if they can hold a tune or they can't hold a tune, because the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. And you can set and worship the Lord with folded arms, I question where you are. How can I do that? How can I even say that? Because the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. I love what Bishop Bill said. I don't know if he's known by Bishop, but he is to me because that was some powerful stuff. So you cannot fake fruit. You can't. And I don't care how hard you try. You can. How many know you cannot fake patience? It just is impossible. You really can't fake joy. Everybody knows that's a fake smile. Especially the people that are close to you. Peace, you cannot fake peace. Because storms are coming. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You can't even fake kindness, really. You'll blow up on somebody. Gentleness. Listen, guys can't fake gentleness. That's impossible. You can't fake self-control. The Twinkie will get you at some point. I mean, don't talk about. I bind the Twinkie in the name of Jesus. Yeah, but it got you. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is, is we like I really want us to legit check ourselves, test the spirits, all that church stuff. But like, just have an honest moment between you and God to say, okay, did I come to this men's retreat to fix a problem, learn a principle, have Jesus as a good idea? and a mentor, and a life coach, but he's really not my savior. 
Can, can, can we all come to a place where we begin to understand what needs to happen is we need to be washed. And a washing can occur over and over and over again, even if you're saved, because some of you guys are thinking wrong and you need your thinking washed. Okay, so it's not, it's not always about salvation. Sometimes you just have a, a belief operating system that's just jacked up, but you can't get past it, so you need Jesus to wash you of it. And so I'm going to read to you a very famous verse of Scripture. Verse 1, Passover, it's just before the Passover festival. And, and I, I've totally jacked up the tech crew because they don't have none of these notes, so I apologize. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How many of you are like at all vaguely familiar with this passage? Like you've heard it, maybe heard it preached before, read it, so oh, that is so cool. Oftentimes when this passage is communicated, taught on, there's this um, idea that's communicated that Peter's thought process about Jesus washing his feet is this. Say, hey, whoa, whoa, Lord, um, I am not worthy of you to wash my feet. I don't want you to wash my feet. And Jesus doesn't even like deal with a worthiness issue or anything like that. He just, he comes up with this statement and says, unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. Now you first look at this and you go, well, then this is about salvation, this is about Peter's unworthiness, this is about some kind of like uh, insecurity Peter has, or maybe Peter's choosing some, some form of humbleness. But as you look further and you pay attention to the progression of the scripture, Jesus says to him, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you, Peter, are clean. Just think about that for a second. Because I've heard it taught this way. You've heard it taught this way. I'm not saying that's 100% wrong. But if it was about a, a picture of salvation, Jesus would not have said, hey, people who have had a bath, they only need to wash their feet. And like Peter, you're already clean. So we can kind of take that out. It's all about salvation. I don't really think it's about a worthiness issue because somewhere in the dialogue, Peter gets a clue. And so what I do a lot of times is I place myself inside the text. And so as you watch a progression of the text, and you, you know, because so they're all sitting around the room, and, and they've prepared for the, the, the last supper, Passover feast, and, and Jesus comes up there. And it says that he took off his outer garment, put the towel around him, poured the water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Well, guess what? He didn't wash Pete's first. It says he came to Peter. 
At this point, Pete's been hanging with Jesus for like three years. How many of y'all know he knows something up? Like he's seen this guy function. He knows that what Jesus is doing is not always about what Jesus is doing. Now, contextually, culturally, Peter also knows who the person is that's supposed to wash the feet. Should have been Peter. Should have been John. Should have been one of them because the person that would do that would be considered the lowliest servant in the room. And so none of the 12 volunteer. They come straight in, sit down. Jesus being the master goes, okay, y'all have not learned squat since you've been with me. So what I'm going to do in my last little bit with you is two things. I'm going to wash your feet, and I'm going I'm to bless the wine, and I'm going to bless the bread so you can all understand what this whole thing has been about this whole time. Jesus wraps the thing around. He's going, he's going down the thing. And Pete, Pete is like, oh, snap. Here's what I think Peter had a clue. If this is what this whole thing has been about up until this part. I don't want anything to do with it. Because just a few verses before this, they're having an argument about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Y'all remember that? Hey, Jesus, who's going who's to be like your dog? Who's going to be your man? Who's going to be your bro? Who, who are you going to set next to you when your kingdom comes? Like they're having an argument over who should be the best. And so they leave that argument, and they're in this upper room, and Pete's like, Oh my gosh, I've been 36 months in this thing and the master is now washing our feet. I, I, am, I am not down for this. I want to do something great in the kingdom. I am not about washing feet. And so Jesus looks at him and says, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. Now, some preachers will say, okay, then, then Peter says, well, then wash my whole body. Have you ever heard somebody do that? Like, well, if you, if you, then wash the whole thing. It's not what he says. He, he, he says three specific parts of his body. He says, then Jesus, if that's the case, I need you to wash not just my feet, but my hands and my head. I'll pick that up in just a little bit. But I just want you to think about this. Pete sees it happen. He's like, I'm not so down with this whole thing. This is not a salvation issue. Jesus said, you're clean. I only need to wash your feet. They get into this dialogue. And Pete says, well, then not just my feet, my head and my hands as well. Okay? Everybody follow me? So I got you. So there's this progression we need to understand something, that our thoughts, everybody say thoughts, produce our belief system. Our thoughts produce our belief system. And here, here's, excuse me, here's how cool God is. Because God is so concerned about what you believe, he gives us a verse. I need you to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. Because if you let those thoughts move around for long, you're going to be believing something jacked up. Because he knows that thoughts produce beliefs. And beliefs unchecked produce a value system that you have and you function from it because this is why the Bible says guard your heart above all else because all your life flows from it. Why? Because beliefs, when they become values, they become deep-seated in your heart. Guess what you start doing? You start talking about it. It becomes the words you speak, which communicates the attitude that you have. How many of you ever seen somebody with a bad attitude? Have you ever seen somebody with a bad attitude? How many know they speak negative? Which means they think negative and they believe negative about everything. So they have a bad attitude. Attitudes produce sentences. You start to communicate sentences which will sentence you to a life you don't want. And we don't understand this. This is where Pete had gotten to and Jesus knew it. He starts washing their feet and Pete's like, hold up. This is not what I signed up for. And Jesus is going back to the root of the problem, his thoughts, his beliefs, his values, his words, his attitude, his sentences, which dictates your actions that produces your life message, produce habits that you have, 
Listen to me, gentlemen. You don't realize that you're about to get free of something because at six years old, you developed a thought process that caused you to believe something wrong about you and wrong about God. And now you're habitually living in that all the time and you have no idea about it. And Jesus wants to wash you of that tonight. Habits produce experiences. Do you know the worst thing that can happen is if your false belief system causes you to have an experience that elevates that belief system to be true? You know what you are right now? Deceived. I can come to you as your best friend and say, bro, you're like living sideways. You're like, no, I'm not. Because everything I've experienced up until this time has reinforced my thoughts, my beliefs, my values, my attitude, my words, my sentences. It's because you're living a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now you're deceived. Do you know what's terrible about being deceived? You don't know it. And you've got to have somebody come along and like illuminate what's going on. Experiences produce life lessons. Life lessons will get you to your destiny. Now here's what's true about you. You are currently living a destiny that you started forming when you were 15, 10, or 6. Some of you may have changed your narrative a little bit, but the truth is, I love what Pastor Bill said, every decision, every decision you make today will affect something in your future. Every decision you make today will affect something in your future. Well, how does that happen? This progression, thoughts, beliefs, values, words, attitudes, sentences, actions, messages, habits, experiences, life lessons give you your destiny. So what does that mean? It means if I learn from my life lessons, learn from them, I become better. Everybody say better. If I don't learn from them, I become worse. There is no such thing as coasting or standing still. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Jesus knows this about you. Jesus knows this about Peter. And he's going to the root of the issue. Refusal. Refusal, and a lot of us do this, refusal to learn from my life lessons creates a culture, an atmosphere of crisis. How many of you have somebody that's in crisis mode all the time? How many of you have somebody like that? How many of you have somebody that said they wake up on Monday, they have an alarm clock? How many of you have an alarm clock? Change your narrative. That's an opportunity clock. Why is that a big deal? What's an alarm signify? That's what an alarm does. It's something burning down. Right? Somebody breaking them, the alarm went off. That's not good. Everybody say not good. But we've been taught that's an alarm clock. And you think that's me being like a cool speaker. No, that's Jesus jacking with your belief operating system. And you think an insignificant tiny thing and the devil's using it to make Monday kick you in the teeth and you haven't yet kicked Monday in the teeth. I don't have an alarm clock. Just don't have one. Every day, I don't have an alarm clock, I have an iPhone. This little thing dings. I literally say out of my mouth, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I am your son. When my, heat, when my feet hit the floor, the devil will piss his pants. In Jesus' name. That's what I say every morning. Every morning, that's what I say. And that's as much for me as it is for my announcement to the devil that I'm about to get going. Because I, every now and then you need to be reminded of who you are. So like if you're in here and you raise your hand like, oh yeah, I got an alarm clock, that thing sucks. Well, change the narrative. I'm piggybacking off of Bishop Bill and call this what it should be, which is an opportunity clock. Because you've got to change how you think so you can change your destiny. Everything in life starts and stops with you. Everything. Look at your name and say everything. everything. So here's something you need in your life. This is what every guy needs, and you need more of it in different seasons. You need order. Everybody say order. Order, order is a good thing. Do you know your father is a God of order? So you need order plus personal responsibility. What does that mean? I don't make excuses for where I'm at. I put order in my life. I take personal responsibility. What will that do? That will increase your measure of rule. Think about what I'm saying. 
Now, how many of you would like your um, measure of rule to exponentially increase? Like, I just, I want to have crazy influence. My measure of rule to go everywhere. Then you need to multiply your order and personal responsibility with discipline. Discipline times order plus personal responsibility equals an exponentially increased measure of rule. What is discipline? Look at me, gentlemen. This is so crucial for you. What is discipline? You need to do, it is your ability to consistently do things you hate to have the life you want. That's what discipline is. And we've been sold a bill of goods that like people who go to the gym all the time are disciplined. No, they're not. They're doing what they want to do. It takes no discipline for me to go to the gym. You know why? Because I like to pick up heavy stuff. That's what I like to do. Makes me feel good. I like to grunt and make weird noises. Like, it's just what I like to do. But as I turned 47, and in a house raid, I blew out my L4 at 47, my doctor's like, hey, if you'd like to walk when you're 53, you're probably going to stop picking up heavy stuff. You need to do yoga. (laughs) Yoga? I'm not doing that girl stuff. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, if you've ever done yoga, it will whoop your tail. I feel like a girl doing yoga because I start shaking all over. I can't hold the poses. But you know what takes discipline for me to do? Yoga. Takes discipline for me to eat healthy? There ain't nothing about eating healthy I like. I like cheeseburgers, Dr. Peppers, Twinkies, Reese's, donuts. Like you name it, that's my food groups. But I want to live till I'm 120 because the Bible says I can. Well, if I'm going to do that, I can't poison my body and expect God to do a miracle. So, like, I'm, I'm claiming 120. So every now and then I get a little sideways and eat a cheeseburger, and I'm literally convicted, like, okay, you want 120? Stop stopping your heart. Really? So order is the thing you have to put in your life to increase your measure of rule. Because why? Because let me just tell you, gentlemen, something. <clears throat> How many of you want to be better Monday? Raise your hand. Say, I want to be better Monday. How many of you desire to be better Monday? It's not enough. Desire and want is not enough. How many want to be a millionaire? Are you? You can want all day long. You can desire all day long. There's something that comes in that space between this is what I want, this is what I see, and desire and want is not enough. You have to make a large, large decision. You have to move from decision to commitment. Commitment, say commitment. And then there's something before your next step, it's called resolve. How many know what that is? It's, It's where you purpose in your heart. I have purposed in my heart, I will not do this thing or I will do this thing. And then right after that, you have to take massive action. Look at your brother and say, take massive action. If you're in here and you desire to lose weight, you will never lose a little weight. You've got to take massive action. If you want to go out Monday and kick it in the teeth and walk as prophet, priest, kick, and war- prophet, priest, king, and warrior, you better decide, commit, resolve, and take massive action come Monday because you'll never ease into it. Here's what we say in the Marsh home. It's go big or go home. It's all or nothing. We don't halfway do anything, which is like a curse in our life most of the time. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I'm, if I'm doing it, I am doing it. But it's also my gift because when I got saved, guess what? I was all the way in. If Jesus wanted me, he was getting all of me, and I mean all of me. Which is why if I didn't have Jesus, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe with all my heart. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing, which is why I can't take meth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Listen, if I'm going to do it, Doggone it, I'm doing it. Which is my gift, guys. Because I'm all in for Jesus. Can I just tell you, um, I know there's some guys in here um, about getting over addiction. Let me tell you this. Every, every guy in this room is designed to be addicted. 
You're designed to be addicted. Everybody in this room, you're just designed to be addicted to the presence of God. You're designed to be addicted to Jesus. You're designed to be addicted to your father. Everybody in here is designed to be addicted. So the goal is that you grow through life and not just go through life. And like if you don't, everybody say decide. If you don't decide to grow through life, you will never have peace. You'll just have pieces, P-I-E-C-E-S. And that's what, that's what happens to most guys. That's what happened to me a lot through my life. I never had peace because I was just going through it. And that's not, that's not what God says. He says, I want you to grow through it. 2 Timothy 2, 3. You, everybody say me. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, it will suck. So what are we supposed to do? It says we're supposed to endure hardship. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been some hardship that's come into my life. Every now and then, there's some hardship that I step in. There's some hardship that comes into bay and docks up in my house. There's some hardship that hits me that I don't ask for. And, but here's what I do. I endure it. I press into it. I grow through it. I just don't go through it so that I can create peace for me and everybody else in my life. And I'm telling you guys, Monday is coming, and we can put all of this stuff on top of you, and it's either on a solid foundation of Jesus, which is the stone, or you have put it on sand and you will be crushed come Tuesday. And I don't want that for you. I like legit for real love you. I don't know if you've ever had anybody love you the way I love you, but I promise you, I love you. It is my honor to be in this room with you. It is my honor to be in this kingdom with you. And it is my honor to tell you the truth. You have the same ability to tell me the same truth that I tell you because I want you to be successful as a son. I want you to be successful as a father. I want you to be successful as a dad. I want you to be successful as a worker, an employer. Whatever it is that you choose to do, I want the favor of God on your life uncontrollably in Ephesians chapter 3 that he would do more than you could think, dream, or imagine according to the power at work in you. So Peter says, okay, Jesus, I need you to wash not just my feet, but my head and my hands. I just thought that weird when I read it. And I'd been taught forever that that was like, he was communicating salvation or Peter was unworthy. And, and as the more I read it, I was like, that's, that's not what Pete was saying because... Pete knew what was up. And I think he, I think he really thought, man, if this, if this whole kingdom, if this whole prophet, priest, king, and warrior thing is about me dying to me and serving and lifting my wife up and loving her as Christ loved the church and building a legacy with my kingdom, I mean, that's real hard. I, you know what? I don't really want to do that. I think that's what Peter was thinking. And Jesus says, if you don't do this, you can't, ha you can't be with me. You can't do what I do. You can't have what I have. You cannot walk in the kingdom unless you get this revelation. And so here's what Peter's request was. Well, then, Lord, please don't just wash my feet. Wash my head and my hands. So you go back to the original language, and the Hebrew word for head is where we get the word Golgotha. You ever read that word called the place of the skull? Well, when a Hebrew person said their head, they literally said my skull. Because they didn't look at heads like we look at heads. In their time, it was like the image of the skull for us, like it communicates death and danger. But then the head was the seat of the mind, the intellect. It was the public part of the body comparable like to the door of a house. Have you ever heard this? Eyes are the gateway to the... That comes from ancient... Hebraic communication, like they said, listen, when you look in a person's face, you're seeing into who they are. So when Peter says, I need you to wash my head, he was saying, I need you to wash the way I hear. I need you to wash the way I see. I need you to wash the way I think. And I need you to, weigh, I need you to wash the way that people see me. Because obviously you're up to something that I don't understand. So I don't need you to just wash my feet. I need you to wash my skull. And I need you to wash my hands. Let me look at your hands. The Hebrew word is yod, and it doesn't mean hand. It means your whole arm. 
In the Hebrew language, your whole arm is the place that strength is found. And Pete says, I need you to wash the place that I think I gather my strength from. Because I need to change the stuff I do. And if you'll wash my skull, and you'll wash my hands, then I think I'll start getting to understand it. And then he says, wash my feet. Everybody say feet. The Hebrew word is regal, which does not mean your foot. It means your whole leg. It's the place where you rule and reign. It's the thing that takes you and sets your foot everywhere that you go. And when you read Joshua 1, 3 and Deuteronomy 11, 4, every place you set your regal, I will give to you. Peter, Peter is saying, and I'm closing, because here's what I need you to get. Peter's saying what I think most of us in this room need. You need washed. And you need your skull washed. You need how you see washed. You need how you hear washed. You need how you think washed. You need how you're seen in the community washed. You need wash where you perceive your strength to come from because your strength comes from heaven and only heaven above. You are not sufficient just in you to be prophet, priest, king, and warrior. Because if you're not washed at a soul level, at a spirit level, this will, you will take this out and it will crush you. You need to get desperate about needing a washing like Peter was desperate about needing a washing. He was like, God, I don't need you just to wash my feet. But some of you, like, don't raise your hand, but how many of you keep going places you shouldn't go? Like you just find yourself in like places you know you shouldn't be. How many of you find yourself doing stuff you shouldn't be doing? How many find yourself thinking stuff you shouldn't be thinking? Why? Why is that? Because you need washing. You need a savior. Some of you just need to plain old, like you're born again, you need to like for real repent. What does that mean? What does that legit mean? Because I don't think we say it enough. I really don't. It's, I am go. listen, I am, I am thinking that this is a good idea. And I am doing things and going places that I think are a good idea. And then you have this revelation and maybe it's happening to you now and you go, oh my gosh. What I need is a change of mind. What I need is somebody to communicate to me where my strength actually comes from. Because, oh my gosh. Listen to me. How many of you think the devil attacks you in your weakness? That's not true. Do you know there's a special anointing for your weakness? The Bible says where you are weak, he is strong. Do you know the devil attacks you in your strength? You know why? Because you don't think you need help there. You think, I got, God, I got this. Because you helped me in my weakness. And God goes, I already helped you in that. And you keep letting the devil wear you out where you think you're strong. Some of you need to lay down what you think your strength is so that God can help you in that place because he's got your weakness covered. And you need to be washed in that. Like you for real need to be washed. I like Paul and pleading with you men. Don't walk out of here the same with like some cool principles that could potentially crush you and your wife and your kids. Be washed in your thinking. Be washed in your doing. Be washed in your going. Let there be an impartation of the Spirit of God for some of you like never before. Maybe we need to break the oil out. Like, I don't know, but like, I just, I just sense that God wants to heal because it's near and dear to me, and I know it is to another guy in here, I think God wants to heal some dudes who were sexually abused when you were a child. I really do. I don't think you've ever told anybody, and I think you need to tell somebody tonight, and I think the, the gentleman should anoint you with oil and pray deliverance over you, that your mind would be washed of that garbage that was done to you and spoke over you so you could be free of it. So that your hands would be washed, that you wouldn't find them doing things and you don't know why you're doing, that your feet would be washed so you don't know why that you're going places you don't know, you don't know why you're going. There's some of you, something happened to you at six. Maybe your, your dad walked out on you and you felt abandoned. 
And so because of that, you reject people all the time because you're afraid you're going to be rejected. And you can't enter into a, a real relationship because you keep, you keep cutting people off before they have the chance to cut you off. And that's coming from the six-year-old version of yourself that watched your dad walk out the front door. I think Jesus wants to wash you of that memory, restore it with the fact that you have a God that will never leave you, never forsake you, who has always been there. Wash your hands so you'll stop jacking up relationships. Wash your feet so you'll quit walking out on people that tonight you could literally step into what God has for you, but not without a washing. I think there's a guy in here who had an affair six years ago in your marriage and nobody knows. And you live with guilt and condemnation every single day. I'm not saying you should go home and tell your wife but I think you should tell a brother. If you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, you'll be healed of those. Listen, guys, I know this is super challenging. I don't even have any idea why I'm doing this. I just want you to be free. So stand to your feet all of this auditorium if I said something that fits you, then come down front. Um, Josh, can you have the prayer team come? And I legit would get the oil out. And you may be in here and you're like, well, I don't really feel, feel the Spirit of God. Listen, I don't, I'm not too much into feelings. I just know He's here. And I know He wants to set you free. And I know by the washing of the Word, you can walk away free tonight. I know you're tired, I know it's late, I know we've been here for like 14 hours, but I don't want you to walk away messed up. Maybe you're in here and you legit deal with an addiction of any kind. We hammer on like heroin and porn and all that stuff, but it's all the same, it's an addiction. I declare to you, you are designed to be addicted, but you're designed to be addicted to your Father in heaven, the presence of God into your life. If that's you, come down front. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get real, real right now. Maybe you're here and you know, you know, you know that you are lost. You are without Jesus. You never met your Savior. I want you to come down front and tell one of these guys. Because this stuff will not work. These are not good principles. These are transformational things that only God can do in your life. If you're in the, in the audience and, and you're just praying, I don't say your thing, I'm actually going to shut up. But listen, if you got a thing, like bring it down here. Bring it down here and get with these men. So here's, here's my instruction to the prayer guys. I just want you to move through the crowd and, and talk to these men. Ask them what their problem is. And, and, and when they confess that thing to you, I want you to anoint them with all. I want you to pray for them. And I want you to watch them be delivered. If they need salvation, I want them to be saved. Pastor Josh, do you have any instruction for your house? Okay. Who, who wants to be legit transformed tonight? Who wants to be transformed? Who wants to leave the crap you brought down here, right here, to have it fall off? I'm going to pray for you. And the anointers, I'm going to call them anointers. They're going to move through the crowd and they're going to bless you. And that crap's falling off tonight in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these men of God. I thank you for these anointers, these prayer warriors that are down here. Father, I ask with all the faith that I have in me that you would anoint them special to break the chains of addiction tonight, that you would anoint them special to renew minds tonight through the power of Holy Spirit, that God, if there's somebody here who was sexually abused, that God, they would not need years of counseling, but tonight you would wash their minds, that tonight you would wash their eyes and their ears, that you would literally wash their skull, that you would wash their whole arm and their whole leg. God, if there's somebody here with an addiction, God, bless these anointers to have the power to deliver them right now, that no longer the taste of anything outside of the presence of God would plague them or even tempt them. God, if there is a person here who has had an affair somewhere around six years ago and he knows that's him, give him the courage, God, to communicate that to one of his brothers that we would pray over him and condemnation and guilt would be lifted off of him and that you would take that and you would use it for his good. 
God, for the men who are here who are lost, they do not know you as Savior. Let them have the courage to say that to these anointers, to receive Jesus. God, I pray that you would baptize people in the Spirit of God tonight, that they would walk away in power, that they would walk away different and transformed, that, God, we literally would walk into Monday powerful, anointed, and great. Father, I ask that you do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.